Um, Matthew 10 is our listing that we're going to look at. The message is entitled simply the Apostle James as we continue in our series of the 12 Apostles. The basic principle for excellence is to have the best and to do the best in order to do better than others. Excellence. That means that you do all that you can. This applies to everything, be it in athletics, selling a product, or the quest for cancer. The common ground of all these things is that you want qualified individuals to get the job done, which means several things. There must be qualifications to meet the ability for the task. There must be commitment, a willingness to give one's all. There must be enthusiasm, a spirit of passion. There must be unity, knowing you are one of many. There must be a willingness to sacrifice many things in view of the task as a top priority. Now, God equally has many of the same qualifications for the men and women he calls, but he approaches things differently. He knows that man doesn't have these qualities in and of themselves. Most of our qualities and attributes that we have, and they're God-given, but with a fallen nature, they're very self-centered and self-serving. Often, he alone can enable us to function apart from that. And he cannot use this just on our talents and abilities. It is a life that is transformed to the Spirit of God to enable us to do the things that we could never do in ourselves. And that's the basic difference. The church is not a, a social movement. The church is not a political movement. The church is the bride of Christ. As he saves people from all levels of society to transform their hearts, to have allegiance to one king, Jesus Christ. Being grateful to him for his death on the cross in our stead and having our sins forgiven. And that is the unity that we hold together towards Christ. These are types of people that God works through. Lost people who are willing to be found. Sinners willing to be saints. And perfect people who can trust the perfect one. Weak people who will depend on God to be strong. Fearful people that obey in faith to be courageous. These are the type of men Jesus called as the 12 apostles. Now, he was not so concerned, once again, with what they were in and of themselves. But what he can make of them. If you've been walking with God for any length of time, you are the first to know 
what you lived, how you were prior to Christ. And there's a line of demarcation that you crossed over when you heard the gospel and you turned to Christ. And what a difference your life has made. First to you, then to others. If you would continue that timeline of before Christ, where would you be right now? If you kept that progression of decay and corruption and self-centeredness. It's not a pretty picture, is it? He was not trusting in their abilities as much as their availability to be used by him. And he was not looking for glory hogs, but those who would reveal the glory of him through their service. He was not overestimating their flesh as much as he was valuing his own spirit to work in and through us. You see the whole world around you, ladies and gentlemen, young people, is telling you how great you are and how you have to love yourself before you can love others. It sounds so good. It's not biblical. Your sinful nature loves you more than anybody else. Automatically. Older son. He's given the task to give half of the candy bar to his younger brother. Takes the candy bar, breaks it in half, puts it equal, evens it out, gives that to his brother. Is he loving his brother? Why is he like that? He's your kid. Every woman brings in sinners into the world, fallen, selfish. Wow, so much for psychology. And sociology tells you you're so good. Listen to me. Finish the sentence I told you all. I'm good for nothing except for sin. You want to go sin? It's been 45 years. I'm ready to go. Hmm. He chose these 12 disciples to be the 12 apostles to proclaim the gospel truth. He made no other plans or replacements except for Judas Iscariot. We've already looked at the first two apostles, Peter and Andrew, and we're using Matthew's list in Matthew 10, verse 2 through 4. So let's look at the third apostle, the apostle James. We'll look at him again through three lenses. The man James, the call of James, and the apostle James. Those will be our hooks to hang our thoughts on. We begin with the man James. Um, the name James... Um, Jacobos, in the Hellenist form, or Jacob, it means surplanter. The Latin is Jacobus, and there's other forms of it. The name means simply surplanter, conniver, flim-flam man. He's our twin. <laughs> James is not to be confused with others called James in the New Testament, as you know we are looking at James, the third of the four inner circle of apostles, according to Matthew. And we'll see that he's the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee. Um, the two of the four lists, James is listed next to Peter. There is James, the sons of Alphaeus. <clears throat> he is the third group of apostles. He is the ninth of the twelve, and he is the leader of of the third group. He appears first in all four of the lists. 
There is James the less, the scription less, most likely due because he was small of stature. He was short, politically correct, and I would say vertically challenged. Without any derogatory indications. People have such thin skin for political reasons today. Everybody's lost their sense of humor. In Spanish, in Mexican families, those nicknames are endearment. A wife may call her, hey, Phil, ven aquí. Hey, ugly, come here. We would go, oh. they It's an endearment. Don't even take any offense. Amazing. He had a brother named Joseph in Mark 15, 40. His mother Mary was one of the ladies at the crucifixion in the tomb, Mark 16, 1 tells us. Then there was James, the father of Judas. He was Judas, one of the apostles. He is known as Labaius, whose surname is Thaddeus, and we'll see him when we get there. He's not to be confused with Judas Iscariot. There is James, then, the Lord's brother. He was a half-brother, of course, to Jesus, Joseph not being the real father of Jesus, for Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Um... And this James, he was the oldest of the brothers of Jesus, uh, Matthew thirteen fifty five and Mark 6, 3 tells us. And usually the first in the list is usually the oldest, though there are exceptions. He was an unbeliever, by the way, till after the resurrection. All of the brothers and sisters of Jesus, John 7, 5 tells us that in Acts 1, 14. They didn't believe till after the resurrection. And James here became the leader and head spokesman of the Jerusalem church. Acts 15, 13, we have the first church council. He's listed there. He is named in Acts 21, 28. He is named also in 1 Corinthians 15, 7 and Galatians 2, 20. Half-brother. Now, the home of James, um, once again, he is one of the two sons of Zebedee. Uh, his other brother is John. Uh, Matthew 4.21, Mark 1.19, and Luke 5.10 give us this. And that's the beauty of the three synoptic gospels. You can put them side by side and you find what is deleted, what is added. So you get a full picture. There's no contradiction. And John is often called the brother of James, reinforcing that he was the oldest, most likely indicating that he was um, certainly um, that older brother. Um, James, on the other hand, is called the brother of John in the Acts of the Apostles, but most likely due to the fact that John was the pillar of the church in Galatians 2.9. Now, James' mother is Salome, the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus, making them cousins to Jesus as John the Baptist. It is amazing how God, through history and through the scriptures, works through so many different family members. And when we trace the genealogies and we look, compare things, we, 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 uh, we find that connection. Now, James was a fisherman, as John, as you know, uh, his brother and his father. They had a family business in Matthew 4.21, and it was prosperous, Mark 1.20 tells us. Um, they had servants, they had boats, 
and the partnership was with Peter and Andrew, as we've already noted when we studied them in Luke 5.10. Now, Jane's father, Zebedee, was a man of social position for John, was known by the high priest and allowed to enter the court when Jesus was betrayed and ushered into the courtyard there in John 18.15. So John had some connections and influence with the priest, the high priest down in Jerusalem. Now, the brother of James, James had, uh, again, his brother John, and both of them were called the sons of Zebedee. James and John, like Peter and Andrew, are different, but are identified with more similarities. If you have a brother or a sister, and, or many of them, you will have many similarities because of the genetic factor. But you will have some differences. But you will have many similarities because of the gene pool. Both had the same upbringing. Both had the same trade. Both were disciples of the Lord Jesus. But first they were disciples of John the Baptist. They were both chosen to be apostles, and both are unique in the purposes of God. The very list of apostles is an incredible record of the diverse men that possibly we ourselves would have never put together, such as Matthew, the tax collector, who was considered as a traitor being a Jew collecting taxes from the Jews working for Rome and then putting him with a zealot, Simon, who pledged to cut the throat of any enemy of Israel. <laughs> and he puts them together. Stop and think of the people that you would have never hung out with or found, be found in the same room and now as a Christian they're your brothers and sisters. What a difference Jesus makes, ladies and gentlemen. We live in a very small world when we're not born again, when we're not walking with Jesus. And the world will pit you, divide you, black against white, rich against poor, have-nots with haves. They will pit you. They will divide you. Never let any, anything in this world divide you in the body of Christ. We have one common denominator. We're all sinners forgiven by the grace of God and we are the bride of Christ. Is that clear? Very important. The fallen human race is a type like James, as I said earlier, a surplanter. We're always attempting to do things our own way. This is the natural man, the old man, the old woman. The Lord calls us to change and to yield to him by the power of the Spirit into those who are governed by God. Remember, Jacob was Jacob's replanter. His name was changed to Israel, governed by God. God is the one who rules, the new man. By yielding to the new divine nature that is given to us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4, God has given to us this divine nature that we might escape the corruption of this world through the promise that has been given to us. Now, you're not a robot. That's the thing being a Christian. You're not a robot. 
you had a decision to make whether you repented from your sins or you reject the gospel. And once you're a Christian, you have the free will. This morning, alarm went off. I overslept. I didn't put it on. Got up at 6.30. Jumped up quick. But you had a decision to make. Do I go to church this morning or do I stay home? God didn't send angels to drag you out of bed. Every day you make a decision to be obedient to Christ and for his glory or to live for yourself. To live by priorities, biblical priorities. To not be distracted from the world's agenda. It's animosity. You see, you remember all the, um, all the uh, reality shows that started in the 80s? Shock shows. They had one common denominator, to bring out the worst in the individual. Look at the world today, our nation. Amazing. The important thing to remember about individuals from the same family is that they are all like the members of the body. They're all related, but they all don't have the same function. Too often, the constant comparison by others misses the giftedness of the individual. This is done in family members. Why don't you be like your brother? He's not his brother. Different temperaments. A father and a mother who loves their children understand this. He gives more time to this one because this one needs it. This one doesn't. Not because they love them more. It's because they need the attention more, right? That's what being a parent is. But when parents don't want to be bothered, then they take it out on the kid, right? Well, the same thing in the Lord. No different. At other times, the differences in distinctiveness not recognized by the family members in the body of Christ. They're calling. Rivalry and envy can hinder the work of God which um, he intended to be complementing, not in competition. And so when you have a church function in carnality, then we see each other as competing against one another. We find ourselves in our own little team. And all these sociological terms are, are tossed out today to the church. It's best to use biblical terms where the body of Christ, feet, hands, fingers, ears, you fit somewhere in there. Find your gift, find your calling, and be exactly what God has called you to do. And you don't have to worry about the other part. The other part has an obligation to obey God, and he puts it all together, all together. Many members, one body, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. And so this was the man James. Secondly, let's look at the call of James. The call of James came at the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22 tells us, um, Jesus had just called two brothers as he was walking in the Sea of Galilee. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, as they were casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen, as we've noted, saying to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, in verses 18 and 19. They immediately left their nets and followed Jesus, verse 20 tells us. Going on from there, 
he saw two other brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother that we've been looking at, in, in, in the boat with um, Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat of their father, and they followed Jesus in verse 21 and 22. So they, this pair of brothers responded. Could they have equally rejected? Absolutely. God will never force you to do anything. Nothing at all. You have a free will. Now, the doctrine of Calvinism doesn't teach that. The doctrine of Calvinism says that God predestined everything. And therefore, nothing can happen unless God decreed it. Really? So God's responsible for every rape, every murder? Which way you want it? You can't have it both ways. Either people are responsible for their sin or God is. The Calvinists say God is. That God predestined the fall. He caused Adam to fall. Really? Wow. Well, that's not the God of my Bible. Not at all. Now, the call of James at the Sea of Galilee is brought to full color by the parallel passages, again, as I mentioned earlier. Mark alone says that he had hired servants in Mark one twenty. Luke tells us it was when the boats were standing by the lake and they were washing their nets in Luke 5, verse 2 down to 11. In verse 4, Jesus told Peter to launch out into the deep and let his net down to catch fish. And in verse 5, Peter did it reluctantly. Lord, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. We're fishermen. You're not a fisherman. All right. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let the net down. You know, kind of like you as a parent tell your kid how to do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. In verse 6, when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. These are professional fishermen. Peter and Andrew signaled their partners in the other boats to help them, and they came, and they filled the boats, and the boats began to sink, verse 7 tells us. Now, they've been around that lake all their life. They've never had a catch like this. In verse 8, Peter, as you know, fell at his knees, confessing he was a sinful man. Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Peter connected the dots. He got it. In verse 9 through 10, all were amazed, as well as the sons of Zebedee and Jesus told him, Do not be afraid. Even now, you will catch men. From now on, you will catch men. And so God used where they were at, transformed their lives, and used language that correlated to their worldly profession. They brought their boats into the land and they forsook all. To follow him. Verse 11 says there in Luke. Same thing you did. Same thing I did. Back in 1973. When I was 23 years old. 
You made a decision, a conscious decision to turn around, to not keep going the same direction, 180 degrees, by His grace. John and Andrew were the first two who came to Jesus as John the Baptist pointed them to them in John 1, 35 through 40. Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. Remember, John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus, and he's pointing now his other cousins to him. Because he was the friend of the bridegroom. He wasn't the bridegroom himself. He pointed people to Jesus. His disciples tried to divide him and Jesus. They told John, John, he's baptizing more than you. He says, hey, I'm, not, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. I'm not the groom. My job is to point people to him. So don't try to divide us. See, that's our flesh. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus, telling him they had found the Messiah in John 1, 41, 42. James apparently was not present. Perhaps he was at Galilee looking or working at his, um, and his call here appears now. At Galilee, at the second call of the of first three. Interesting, Jesus called one brother of each family, first to be the catalyst for the other. The four make up the first group of the inner circle. The call of James is like Peter and Andrew, a call to internship, apprenticeship, entry level, if you will. It's like today's thing about minimum wage. Minimum wage was never intended for you to raise a family and to get married. Minimum wage was an entry level for high school or people going to college so they can make their way, learn to work, and move on in life. It was never intended to what they have interpreted today. But again, people don't study history. They just listen to lies, and so they... Swallow it, hook, line, and sinker. You see? When I started working, it was $1.25 an hour. Back in 1966, I was a box boy. And I knew that I had to move up. And I had to learn, you know, how to do the cash register and move up. I used to work for Prana Markets, and they're the ones that launched out into um, the uh, Trader Joe's, Gene Pemberton and and, and, and his other buddy, uh, they live right here in San Marino back in the 60s. They're the ones, the entrepreneurs that, that began all that stuff. Amazing. And so, the call of God on a person's life, I do not believe can be missed by the person. But I do believe that they can choose not to answer the call of God. That God can call you to be something in the body of Christ, to do something in the body of Christ. You'll know he's called you. But you can reject it. He's not biting his nails. He'll, he'll get somebody else. Do you think if Mary would have said, not me, man, I'm not having this baby. Do you think God would have forced her to get pregnant? But then then you've got a different God than me. Different God of the Bible. God, God will find somebody else. We've we, we got to be careful. We don't think that we're God's gift to God, you know? Hmm. You know, it is true that there are two sides to um, a sheet of fly paper. 
And, and to you and I, it might not be that important. But to the fly, which side it chooses makes all the difference whether he's going to see tomorrow or not. Choices. You and I know people who have made bad choices and destroyed their lives. Young people today. Used to be a young man who used to come here, raising the church. In his late teens or early 20s, sentenced to be in prison for life. Be in the wrong place, the wrong time. It happens every day, ladies and gentlemen. It happens to non believers and to carnal Christians. Compromising. One foot in the world, one foot in the church. So much of the church wants to be like the church. There's even a church where I live in the town I live. They have a two-beer limit. What? Wow. So now the emergent church, you know, they, they drink beer bashes with the elders. And now there's two-beer limit at, at church. So much like the world. Listen, did you not learn what happened in the world? Have you forgotten? Wow. The inner circle too often is thought of as elite and more spiritual from man's perspective. But like all things that are simply viewed from man's perspective, they are usually backwards. We say um, that the sun rises, but in fact, the earth is turning. It's not a beautiful sun, right? It's a, it's a tremendous earth turning. We say um, the tide is rising or going out, but it is the gravitation and the pull of that from the moon. We say God spent more time with these four that we're studying. This is the third one. That they were more holy, more spiritual, when in fact they probably had the greater need, needed to be taught more, and needed more oversight. What teacher do you know that spends the majority of her time with the best of students and not with those who really need the help? If they're a teacher, she's going to spend with those who really need the help. Hmm. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor our ways, your ways as our ways, the Lord says. Totally different from us. Isaiah 55.8. The call of James was in the course of his daily profession, and so often, as I've said, it will be with us. Um, Jesus will use the place and the level of understanding that we are familiar with, and I will make you fishers of men, he told them. We've read this over and over again. He might say to a building contractor, I will make you a builder of the kingdom. He might tell a salesman, I will make you a salesman for the gospel of God. Jesus picked the time to call James away from his livelihood. His time. His time. Paul the Apostle, Acts 9, going on the road to Damascus to imprison Christians, to incarcerate them, to put some to death. God's time. Paul had a chance to reject or accept. He decided to humble himself and accept Christ. 
At times, men quit their jobs before or without God's direction, thinking that God has called them to ministry when God has not or not at that time. And consequently, sometimes they bring great um, suffering and difficulties to their wife and their children. At other times, there's people in ministry, men in ministry, I know some of them, that they, they're not good husbands. But they just work, work, work for the Lord. They go here and everything else. And they just give the appearance. Yeah, I'm so guided. Everything's for the Lord. This and that. You just don't want to be with your wife. That shock you? Been around 45 years. Hmm. Jesus sometimes has a person to have a tent ministry. Like Paul where they work as they minister. First Thessalonians 2, 9, he speaks about that. And I know pastors who have. Steve Miller from here went out to Chicago, and he um, worked in the Institute the Art College there, very prestigious, and he did a tent ministry. He ran one of the Calvary chapels. He was a pastor. He never took a salary. He just stayed there. God is the one who directs. Paul the Apostle said, there's nothing wrong with that, but to me, I'm not to do that. So the individual has to know what God has called him to do and only do what God has called him to do and not to compare themselves to somebody else. This is always the danger, whether it be in family, whether it be in profession, whether it be as a Christian or whatever it may be. Sometimes God will direct us to obey something that is too much trouble. Or incredible. So we only partially obey. Jesus said, let your nets, plural, down for the catch in Luke 5, 4. Plural. But you see, they had just finished washing their nets. It would have meant the trouble of having to wash them again, getting them dirty. That's how we think, right? Rather than obeying and trusting God. I don't want, I want to hassle it. I've had a hard day today. I, 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 You know the thoughts. Peter let down a net in Luke 5.5. 5. Singular. Not completely obedient. If he would have let down nets, plural, they all would have been filled. So often we shortchange ourselves. God wants to do so much more. Ephesians 3, 20-21 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory. In the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So be it. Wow. Every one of us have experienced this verse. As he's done a tremendous work in our life. To allow us to live different than we did before. To think differently. God has allowed us to be able to work through our marriages. And to not just get by, but to flourish in them in spite of 
being two sinners that love themselves more than the others apart from Christ. The difficulty for your children that he's brought you through. Now it's your grandchildren. And if God tarries, it'll be the great-grandchildren. And every generation will be a greater opportunity for you to trust God more. Not the world. The wisdom of the world today is tomorrow's stupidity. It's the wisdom of the world that's killing us. <laughs> Destroying us. God, to him be glory. This was the call of James. Third, we have the apostle James. James was a strong, aggressive, and zealous individual, as you know. Jesus gave James and John the, the name Barnurgis, Bar, if that's the way it's pronounced, sons of thunder, in Mark 3.17. Mark alone gives us this particular characteristic of the Zebedee boys. Um, I don't think our Lord gave them that name because they were mellow, peace-loving, kind of like the hippies in the 60s. No, I don't think so. He gave them the name due to their hot-tempered zeal, ready to act and get things done with very few words. I think when uh, people saw the brothers coming in the Galilee, I, I think they got out of the way. Um, I don't think many of the Galileans attempted to cheat John and his brother in business. I think they were like two junkyard dogs. Many of us were there. And our God has transformed us. Jesus one day was rejected by the Samaritans, as you know, due to the fact that he was headed towards Jerusalem in Luke 9, 51 through 56. Uh, uh, and in 51 to 53, it says, Now it came to pass when the time had come uh, for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to pre uh, prepare for him, but they did not receive him because he set his face towards this journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, barbecue them, just like Elijah? <laughs> now, I know you wouldn't do that if you were with Jesus. You'd be walking like this, right? No, I don't think so. Jesus turned and rebuked them. He said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village, verse 55 and 56. They're being disciple taught. James and his brother John thought they were of the spirit of Elijah to just smoke these Samaritans who would dare to insult and dishonor the Lord. Listen, when people reject the gospel as you're sharing with them, or your lifestyle as a Christian, they're not offending you. They're offending Jesus. Don't take it personal. Jesus says, if they hated me first, they're going to hate you. Wow. They were naturally yielding to their carnal flesh and attempting to pass it off for spiritual zeal. 
They expected you to say, oh, you guys are good. You guys are getting it. You're the, my two best disciples. No. Just the opposite. James was a very ambitious individual, as you know. One day, James and his brother um, made a petition to Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 35 through 45. James being one of the inner circles and um, had been given special privileges and his brother, uh, thinking that now they had the inside track with Jesus. Um, and they said, we want you to do whatever we ask in John 10, 35. That's a car blind, whatever you ask. Wow. Now, for you to ask that, you have to have some confidence and some evidence that you think that it's going to be given to you. They petitioned to be granted to sit on the right hand and the left hand in verse 37 in his glory. You see, they were going towards Jerusalem. And they had the Jewish mind and believed that Jesus was going to set up the kingdom. The Jewish mind only saw the present age fallen and the age to come, the golden age of the millennial kingdom when God would set up his kingdom. They never had in mind or understood there was going to be a church age. So they're going to Jerusalem and they're saying, hey, you know what? Right now is a good move. James and John. Hey, let's beat the tent to it. They weren't servants. They wanted to be served. So they asked him, in your glory. One of the gospels says they knew they were going to Jerusalem. That's why they asked it. Matthew says their mother interceded also in their request, Matthew 20, 20 through 28. So just in case, let's take mommy. So these big tough boys are mama's boys. But Jesus denied it, as we'll see. You see, they had privilege. James was one of the three that saw the, um, uh, the daughter of Jairus raised from the dead. Um, James was also one of the three up in the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17. So having those privileges of the inner circle um, automatically brings you to the conclusion that you're somehow special. Have greater access, right? That's the natural mind out of a sinful heart rather than just the mercy and wisdom of God. Later, he would be one of the four on the Mount of Olives who asked the Lord when his coming was there. Um, and again, he would reveal with Elijah and Moses their Mount Transfiguration, right? Great privilege. They, they literally saw a preview of the second coming. Now, Jesus, knowing they were asking for their own benefit, asked them if they were um, if they knew what they were asking and could they drink of the cup that he was going to drink and be baptized with the baptism he was going to be baptized with. And what did they respond? Did they, he did they hesitate? Yep. We're able. Wow. Cocky sons of thunder. Jesus then prophesied about how James and his brother would partake of the sufferings of Christ and drink of the cup of his baptism. James and John thought Jesus was going to Jerusalem again. They were looking at the glory. 
let's, um, let's carry the dialogue. If it would have been this way, they got to Jerusalem. Jesus gets arrested. The two sons get arrested also, James and John. And they go crucify Jesus. And they put James on one side of the cross and his brother on the other side instead of the two thieves. Because you did ask for my glory, right? Left and right. And then they from there at the cross say, Jesus, what? what? And Jesus will say, what did you have in mind? Oh, busted. Hmm. This is good. This, this is what the word's about, to show us our evil, our selfishness, even as Christians, ladies and gentlemen. If we walk in the flesh, we will sow to the flesh, and we will reap corruption. Make sure you understand that. When the ten heard about it, it says they were greatly displeased, indignant. Why? Because the ten had the same thing in mind, but the two beat the ten to it. The dirty dozen were not servants, not till after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were looking to rule. Many people in the church like that today. They're looking to rule. Just, I don't look at space time, face time, whatever all the stuff is, okay? But I hear about pastors. They just film themselves all the time. Here I am, trodden, trodden at the beach. Here I am surfing. Here I, who cares? Here's my family. Who cares? If you get your mug behind this, minister the gospel. Encourage the people. You're not a celebrity. Get over yourself. Amazing to me. How embarrassing. James was a very ambitious person. Wanted to be great. Having a strong, aggressive personality. He went for things. This personality can um, intimidate people. This type of personality can just run over people uh, without consideration. But you take this person that deals to the Lord and, and God can do an incredible thing through people like this. James, being a very strong, aggressive, zealous, and ambitious individual, became a target of persecution. If we move on to the book of Acts in chapter 12, 1 through 4, this is after the day of Pentecost. It says, Now at that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church in verse 1 of chapter 12 of Acts. And in verse 2 it says, Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So James, Jesus prophesied, you will partake of the suffering and the baptism of the cup. He, Herod kills James, but he lets John live. This again could be another evident fact that James was the hotter temper of the two. It seems Herod was not too worried about Peter when he um, uh, was in jail with him, but James was his target of his pursuit. He became the second martyr of the church and first apostle, being an uncompromising, zealous man who could 
only be stopped by death. James finally got his petition answered and shared in the glory of Jesus. Yet not as he thought sitting on the throne of Jerusalem, but through persecution and death. The cup and the baptist and the Jesus prophesied there in Mark 10, 39. John would live uh, to old age after attempting to be boiled in oil and not dying. Tradition tells us he was banished to the island of Patmos where he received the revelation of the book of Revelation. And though both brothers were always together and James never appears apart from his brother in the, in the Gospels, James seems to have been um, uh, the strength of the two. Um, verse 3 of Acts there says, And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to cease Peter also. Now it was during the days of the unleavened feast, so right after Passover. Um, and so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squadron of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover in verse 4. And Peter was sleeping like a baby between these two soldiers, and an angel struck Peter on the side, woke him up, and uh, delivered him from prison. In fact, Peter thought he was dreaming, right? <laughs> then he realized it was real. Peter um, could sleep like a baby. Between these two centurions. Why? Because Jesus had prophesied to him in John 21, 18 through 19. That he would not die until he was old. When you know the word of God. You can have peace through the most difficult times. But when you don't know the word of God. You're going to be like a chicken with your head cut off. Now our old sin nature is there to act that way. And I have to say Lord. Give me wisdom. Lord, let me think on you. Lord, speak to my heart. Rather than freaking out. Very important. It's not mind over matter. It's not the... None of this junk. We're talking about the God who lives in you. That your body is the temple of God. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. In the world you shall have tribulation, be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. Look at the Christians in the early century church. They were tossed to the lions. They didn't take their lives. Christians were burned at the stake alive. They didn't take their lives. They prayed for those who lit them on fire. And go on through all of history for the true Christian church. Wow. How'd they do that? Looking to Jesus, the author, the finisher of their faith, ladies and gentlemen. This is what's missing in the church today. Rome had a coin. An ox faced an altar and a plow. Under it was written, ready for either. This was James. Ladies and gentlemen, I died in July of 1973. One day, this body will cease to exist. But I died in 1973. 
and Christ took hold of my life. Am I clear? Wow. God takes men like James, strong, aggressive, and zealous individuals, and enables them to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, for the kingdom of God, for God's glory. Second Corinthians 4, 7, God has put this treasure in this earthen vessel that the excellence and power may be of God, not of ourselves. Everybody's like this today. Where's humility? Where's gentleness? Where's the fruit of the Spirit? Wow. Zeal without wisdom and patience can cost a person much. James-type people have to learn to be sensible and quiet. The opposite is just as bad, being a milquetoast man who does and goes along with everything and nothing bothers him. But the strong, aggressive, and zealous person in the hands of God is a benefit to the world as well as a woman. God takes men who are ambitious and makes them ambitious for the kingdom of God by his love and his passion for sinners. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in should not perish but have everlasting life. Greatest verse in the Bible. Incredible. Ambition for self with zeal is both blinding and destructive. Look at the entitlement mentality of the millennials. Gimme, gimme, gimme. You owe me, you owe me, you owe me. Really? Wow. The word for today's job. J-O-B. Very important. James seems to have been a very stable individual counting the cost. James being a very strong, aggressive, and zealous and ambitious individual became a target of persecution, not for the kingdom of God, as we saw in Acts 12. If you're a fanatic for football, whatever, all people will love you, you know, whatever. But if you are a fanatic for Jesus, ooh, today in America, you will be persecuted and hated. Now they're targeting in and out? Wow. So now, as an American, you have no freedom to choose what you want, eat what you want, or give money wherever you want. You have to have everything their way, the leftists, huh? It's an attack on the First Amendment, ladies and gentlemen. Freedom of speech. But they are marginalizing, targeting individuals to silence people. That's what they did in Russia and China and Germany and Venezuela. They do that in Mexico. I was born in Mexico. The reason I'm here is because I don't want to be in Mexico. I get that right? All right? I fly the American flag. Very important. As in the past, so today. And in the future, there will be people of God that God will use. Yet, they will be insensitive to the needs of others. And God will still use them. Why? Because God honors his word above his name. God will use people. People who are carnal. Pastors that, 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 that steal. Pastors that commit adultery. God will use them because he honors his word. 
But God will take care of you now or later. No one gets away with anything. Is that clear? Not my business. Billy Sunday busied himself for God, yet all of his children are said to have been lost. Now, your children can be lost, not because of you, but sometimes you're not there as a parent, right? Priorities. You need to have priorities. James type individual will be the targets of persecution. They are too evident in their cause, like Stephen and Paul. So this was James the Apostle. Quite a man. Through these three lenses, the man James, the call of James, and the Apostle James. Um, each individual that we're studying will teach us different things that will be very beneficial for our lives, ladies and gentlemen. Father, we thank you for your grace, your love, and goodness. We thank you for this morning, and we pray you just deal with our hearts. Lord, for those over the internet, Lord, and Father, who are watching, listening. And Father, we pray for those who do not know you, that perhaps are here or over the internet, that you would just minister their heart, their need of you to repent of their sins. If you're here, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins. You alone can make that decision. No one else can make it for you. God will not force you. He will show you your sin, your need of a Savior and forgiveness. But you will make that decision. God will never send you to hell without giving you an opportunity to be able to go to heaven. It's a choice. Location, location, location makes a big difference. If you see yourself as a sinner, as the grace of God... If you want to accept him as your Lord and Savior, right where you sit, it's a sinner's prayer. You cry out to God, acknowledging what he says about you, that you're a sinner lost in need of salvation. If this is your desire to be saved and forgiven, this is your prayer to the Lord. Right where you sit, he's going to forgive you and make you born again right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.